Hey everybody, welcome to the New Market Alliance Church podcast, where you're invited to not just attend church or watch church, or in this case, listen to church, but actually go and be the church. For everything you need to know about our community, be sure to go to newmarketalliance.ca and maybe even drop us a line to let us know you're listening. We read everything you send and we'll be sure to get back to you. Our worship service happens every Sunday at 10 a.m. in person or streaming online. We want you to know you absolutely matter to God and you absolutely matter to us. Everyone is welcome and wanted. Now, let's join today's teaching. This, uh, this summer has been quite an active summer in our family. Uh, in July, our daughter came home from New Zealand with her daughter. And so it was an occasion for a family gathering. And so the whole family gathered up at our home in Pembroke uh, for a weekend. And now, why am I telling you this story? Because grandpa with eight grandkids in the room and their parents in the room, but they don't count because the grandkids were there. And I get to sit there and look at each one of them and realize what a unique gift of God they are. And I got to say, with some kind of grandfatherly pride, because after all, they're ours and they're wonderful, and, uh, and you think yours are great, but ours are really great. And, and so, why am I telling you this story? Because walking back into this building, networking with those of you who we have known over the years and served beside over the years is kind of like that same family reunion. And it's, it's coming home, and we, we are grateful to be able to be here with you and to share with you what God has been doing in our lives and what he wants to do, hopefully, in your life. So we live in Pembroke, Ontario. Pembroke, Ontario is four and a half hours drive away from here. And yes, you're welcome to come and visit us. We are nice people and we entertain well. So uh, we'd love to see that happen because it's a lonely place up there uh, along the Ottawa River where we're five minutes from a beach. Uh, we also uh, are part of a church where our son is pastor. And I got to tell you, that's a special kind of a thrill every Sunday morning. Uh, but during the weeks of this summer, uh, our son Rob has introduced a theme to the church called Other Women. And don't get your minds off on the track here. Other Women is the story of uh, there are 400 women in the Bible whose names are listed, but their story doesn't get told very often. Their stories are kind of uh, uh, bit players in the lives of other people, more famous people whose stories are being told. And so you tend to ignore these 400 women. And so Rob wanted us to spend some time learning if God has given us their name in the Bible, there must be a story and a lesson to be learned and somewhere we can get guidance for the fact that these people even existed. And so uh, this morning we want to uh, talk about a woman by the name of Priscilla. The reason I want to spend time talking about that, the reason we've even opened up the topic of the other women it's because these people who lived their lives in relative obscurity, in many ways that resonates with me. 
Because in a world of 8 billion people, many of whom make the news every night, many of whom are famous, many of whom are called A-listers, our lives seem like they're pretty obscure. And sometimes you wonder if we really are making any kind of a difference. And so we want to talk today about a woman, you could read about her in Acts chapter 18 if you have your device with you and you want to read ahead or get ahead of the story. Uh, Paul also wrote about her in some of his letters, but we're going to spend some time in chapter 18 today. This is a woman whose life was driven in many respects by events that were beyond her control. She lived in a town, she and her husband lived in a town where a capricious emperor uh, would determine whether they would live or die, whether they could live in that town or whether they would be evicted, whether they could keep their uh, resources or whether they would lose them. And you might even think that this person had a right to be bitter about the circumstances of life that were pressing in on her everywhere. But what I want to share with you today is some points that we draw out of that story that will inform us and perhaps inspire us as we seek to live in the turbulent times that are Canada 2022. So, so now you know where we're going. But I want to go off on a side journey and circle back because I want to introduce a, 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 a line that will be at the bottom of all of our Uh, slides from this point on, live to be forgotten so that Christ will be remembered. Live to be forgotten so that Christ will be remembered. I first heard this line about three or four months ago from a guy who was quoting from the biography of D.E. Host, who was a relatively obscure person. You probably never heard of him before today. He was an officer in the British Army back in the 1800s. At the age of 22, he resigned his military commission, and he spent the next 50 years living among the people of China, mostly inland China. He lived among the people. He served in the opium dens, among the homeless people, in the places where where you might say life was at its most trivial and its most dangerous, but his intent in living amongst them was so that he could understand their thought process in order to be able to introduce them to the grace that God wanted to bring into their lives. He never aspired to being famous. In fact, he, is, he, he, he aspired to be the unknown one in order that Christ would be known. But because of his humble service, today there's over 100 million followers of Christ in China. Live to be forgotten so that Christ will be remembered. And we admire that story. But I gotta tell you, true confessions on a Sunday morning here before the church at Newmarket, It sounds noble, but it runs against the grain of my soul. I don't want to be forgotten. I want my grandchildren and great-great-greats to be telling the wonderful stories of the legend Ian back in the day. 
the guy that was in the place to do the thing that would change the world and make all the difference, never to be forgotten. Come on, you know, some of you is, is that person too. I don't want to be that person who is forgotten. On the day of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the day that everybody wanted to make him a king, what Jesus said changes our thinking. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, if a grain of wheat falls into the ground and doesn't die, it's just another seed. But if it dies, it can bear a lot of fruit. Everybody brags about the harvest, but nobody brags about the seed. The seed is forgotten. And that is our calling. Our calling is to be the seed that will die. It's a people who, who will look beyond this thing called our life and our reputation and to see beyond that, to see the miracle that God has purposed to germinate and transform and expand and explode that seed into a DNA that is something glorious that only God could create. That's our calling. And to be willing to be forgotten in the process. Let's go back to our, our other story. Priscilla, hero of our story. She was someone who understood the, the live to be forgotten principle. And we want to walk through a timeline of her life or parts of her life. And so we understand how God would guide us as we learn to be the people who are forgotten so that Christ would be remembered. So we find ourselves at AD 48. AD 48, here is Priscilla and her husband Aquila. And they're living in Rome, which was the center of the universe in those days. And they were running a successful business, selling and mending tents and canopies. And you think to yourself, well, tents and canopies, what kind of world is that? But in the first century in Rome, when you're, first there was uh, rich people who had uh, uh, rooftop decks and they needed sunshades and sometimes they ripped and they needed to get fixed had a growth industry going there was so much migrant population because of people going back and forth kind of like today as the needs of the empire shifted people were going back, and they were living in temporary dwellings tents and there was a, an industrial need for these things to be maintained and repaired. And Priscilla and Aquila had this vibrant business going on in Rome. Their business was so great, along with many other of the Jews who lived in Rome, that in AD 49, the emperor, Claudius, got jealous of all this economic success and he evicted all the Jews out of Rome. The Jews must go. You can leave your business behind. You can leave your money behind, but you're out. And so he seized their assets. And next thing you do, they were living now in the town of Corinth. Corinth is about 1,200 kilometers away from Rome. It's a seaport city. 
and they are now evicted and oh, but they have a transportable skill and they had a pretty low entry cost business and so they were able to reestablish themselves now in Corinth. And guess what in Corinth? There's a lot of people who need tents fixed and there's some rich people who have rooftop canopies and there's a going business for someone who would come and start a business there. We know it was a going business because later on they had a partner. But I want to pause for a second and think about the circumstance of their life. You're doing just fine. Your business is just fine. You're, I don't know what their age was, but they, they were happy in where they were and they were happy in what they were doing. And along comes this massive interruption called the emperor. It was an event over which they had no control. You might call them the victim of circumstances. They had a right to be bitter. They had a right to lash back. They had a right to start a protest. They had a right to launch a Facebook page. Well, they couldn't do that. But here were these people of faith, understanding that God is bigger than the emperor. God is in control of my life. God is able and willing to walk with us through this circumstance called eviction. God is able and willing to redeem this moment and to turn it into something glorious. And so instead of going to Corinth and going on welfare or, or, or walking the streets and saying, there's no hope for us, they actually could receive that new placement as if it was a gift from God and reestablish themselves. Like the seed that falls into the ground and dies. It wasn't so much about them. It was about so much as walking in the purposes of God and understanding that the, the transformation, the transforming purpose of God in their life could be something even more glorious than a successful business in Rome. And as I sit there and think about God turning chaos into glory, perhaps we get down to the punchline. There's more to our teaching this morning, but we get to the punchline at where we sit here today and every single one of us has chaos in our lives, either right now or in our history. Every single one of us. God turns chaos into glory, but he only does it if we will take that chaos and offer it up to him as our offering of worship. So today as we sit in this place, we sit in our living room at home, wherever we are hearing this, we are called to take that little crumb, that chunk, that whatever it is, God is not concerned or surprised about the circumstances of your conception. He's not surprised about your childhood. He's not surprised about your business failure. He's not surprised about your marriage challenges. He's not surprised about your relationship with your kids. He, God is not surprised by any of the chaos of our life. And all he does is want us to take that chaos and offer it up to him. And when we offer it like the seed that goes into the ground and it dies and it bursts forth into something glorious, 
that God can take and use purposefully to expand his kingdom. And the question is, will we do it? We can hang on to that piece of chaos like it's our precious, or we can release it. And God, God will take that offering you give him today, and he will turn it into something glorious. In a story I could never write for you, and you could never write for yourself, but the story that God writes will be marvelous. Keep going down the timeline, AD 52. So they've been in Corinth for three years, reestablished their business. Along comes Paul. Paul has just come from Athens, and he comes to Corinth, and because he was a tent maker, isn't that funny how this guy, migrant, wandering around from town to town, thinking God has a purpose for him as he moves from there, and he ends up in Corinth, and he ends up in the marketplace looking for a job. Or maybe he's going to open a tent making thing. Next thing you know, he meets Priscilla and Aquila, and they invite him into a partnership, and now they're doing tents together because the business has grown to a degree that justifies having all these people working together in it. And during those times of working, so can you imagine, here we are, tents repaired while you wait. So, 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 have you heard about Jesus? So, 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 let me tell you about Jesus. So, 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 so. And, and so all that marketplace interaction is happening and Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, as they learn about Jesus, as they understand that he's Messiah, as Paul goes with them to the synagogue and he tells them about Jesus being Messiah and the word of God spreads in the town and, and people begin to want to learn more about Jesus and there are more followers of Christ in the town. And here they are doing this tent making, they're so busy, they're making tents during the day and they're, they're talking to people about Jesus at night. But I just want to pause there for a second. There are no coincidences. No, no, there are no coincidences in God's economy. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a just lucky event that Paul happened to show up when Priscilla and Aquila were there. God directs the paths of those who are open to him. We just read recently, although not today, but in earlier chapters about how Holy Spirit led Paul along his journey as he went and entered Europe with the gospel. And then he went from town to town and he shows up. This is not just a lucky coincidence. This is the, this is the moving of God for the purposes of God so that the seed that Priscilla and Aquila invested would now be able to burst forth into something powerful and glorious. And the three of them are, are, are worshiping together and, and a house church forms out of that and people come to Christ. And, and oh, next thing we read is that uh, Silas and Timothy, who also were traveling around as evangelists and pastors, they also came to Corinth. And it says to us that when, when they came to town, the church continued to grow because God draws our giftings together, not for the purpose of what we can take, but for what we can give. 
And whatever you brought in with you this morning, in terms of God's contribution in your life, it was not for you to hoard, it was for you to share. And so our spiritual gifts are used by the church to enrich the church, to bless the church, and to multiply the church. And so Silas and Timothy are in town, and they're, um, they're watching these numbers grow. And here's Paul, the de facto leader, the apostle in town. What if he had just hung around? This church is growing. They need a senior pastor. They, they need the maturity that I can bring. They need the gifting that I have. I think I'll just stay in Corinth and we'll be the first church of Corinth until Jesus comes. But an apostle, an apostolic calling is not a calling to management. Spiritual gifts are different. And the apostolic calling is a calling to be sent, to live to be forgotten so that Christ can be remembered. And so next thing you know in our timeline, we see Paul exiting Corinth and deciding it's time to go somewhere else. And this time he takes Priscilla and Aquila with him. <clears throat> they, they relocate <clears throat> another 670 kilometers further east across the sea into a town called Ephesus. And there in Ephesus, they're going to plant a church. They're going to run a tent making business. They're going to do the things that they've been doing as God has been leading them. And what we read about them going to Ephesus is that once, that once they were in Ephesus, then Paul left Priscilla and Aquila and he carried on. He's out of our story for right now. And Priscilla and Aquila are now not only the tent makers, but also the leaders of this local church. And when we will invest our lives in God's service, when we will live to be forgotten so Christ could be remembered, then God takes that offering and he multiplies our effectiveness. And you may have thought you were just providing a house where the church could meet, as Priscilla may have done. You may have thought you were just a discerning kind of individual like Aquila was to help people see past their, their stuff and see Jesus and respond to him. You may have thought that's, but God takes that invested seed and he multiplies it. And now they are leaders of the church. And now they are, now they, they are introducing other people to Jesus without Paul being around to make it happen. Uh, they are now entrusted by God to nurture and develop other people. So Apollos comes along to Ephesus and Apollos was a student of the word. He understood many things and he was eloquent and able to communicate faith, perhaps even in a way that Priscilla and Aquila could not. But he was not 100% online and God gives Aquila the gifting and the leadership to help Apollos come back into line. And Priscilla keeps inviting him back to the house for supper and they keep having these Bible studies together and Apollos begins to grow strong in his faith and the church is growing 
because a couple were willing to invest. And next thing you know, Apollos, having learned the way of God more clearly, is now catching the vision to move from Ephesus and take what he has learned back to the place where Priscilla and Aquila had been. He goes to the church that they had left back in Corinth and becomes a resident teacher in that church, helping that church grow toward maturity. Things perhaps that Priscilla and Aquila were not able to do, but because they invested, God multiplied. Are we hearing a story here? If we are willing to invest, then God will multiply. Well, the story moves on pretty quick from here because there's not much more in the Acts narrative. But in AD 57, Paul writes the letter to 1 Corinthians. And I'm not going to give you a whole 1 Corinthians story here, but way at the end of the, at the, end of the book, he says, I want, you to, I want to pass on greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and the church that meets at their house. And Paul has recognized that these guys still in Ephesus are powerful leaders, strong leaders, and God has blossomed that little seed that was invested. Later on, another year later, it appears that Priscilla and Aquila were able to return to Rome because the emperor's edict had been removed and Jews were coming back to Rome. And, and for whatever reason God had moved them, we don't know, but Paul's writing a letter to the Romans and he's saying to them, and by the way, I want you to greet Priscilla and Aquila, people who invested their lives in the kingdom of God and the church that meets at their house. So wherever they were going now, God's multiplying their ministry, multiplying their effectiveness because they were willing to be Invest it. And then the final part, now 10 years later, Paul writes again, this time he's writing to Timothy. Oh, by the way, in between times, another emperor shows up. Another emperor, this time is not evicting Jews from Rome. He's now trying to kill the Christians in Rome. And you either were going to get killed or you were going to leave. And we realize that Priscilla and Aquila have now moved back to Ephesus to be now mature leaders in the church at Ephesus. Where we read some great things about Ephesus later on in, in the Bible, but in this particular moment, Paul, knowing that he's about to die, his last words to his protege, Timothy, among other things right at the end, he says, and also greet Priscilla and Aquila this long-term companionship and friendship and relationship in leadership in the gospel flows out of people who are willing to be forgotten so that Christ can be remembered. And so I want to just close with four points, the same four points that we've flashed earlier uh, on the screen. The first one, is, and, and these are the challenge for us today as we say, what shall I do with what I have heard today? The challenge is, would we commit to being that seed that is willing to die so that a harvest can be created by God? And so our challenge and our call is to say to God, yes, I am willing to 
to be invested for your kingdom. I am willing to die to myself and my priorities and my aspirations so that you can multiply something powerful. The second one is God transforming chaos to glory. And our challenge today is what will I submit? And will I take that chunk of chaos and offer it up to him? Uh, the third thing is to understand that there's no coincidences, that word again, in God's kingdom. And to understand that those things that seemed like just by chance in my life were actually God knitting something together for his purpose. And am I willing to step into his purpose and let him carry me along? And finally, the last thing is, are we willing to, set, to uh, invest our spiritual gift for the effectiveness of God's kingdom. What does he want to grow out of that? Now, maybe uh, one thing or another thing touched your heart and you want to respond and say yes on that. Just want to pray with you. Worship team is going to come back and lead us into another song. And uh, just let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the so-called obscure stories that actually have so much meaning when we let your spirit teach us. So will you lead us today? Will you grow faith in us today? Will you strengthen us to be willing to invest? Not just all we are, but all we have been, our whole chaotic past invested into you for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.